welcome to the La 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 Let Me Explain podcast. And this week's theme is sexual harassment in the workplace. And there is literally no better person that I could have here with me today than Deba Saeed, who is a lawyer, a sexual harassment specific lawyer, mm-hmm. and who works for the most incredible organisation called The Rights of Women. All right, Diva. Hello. How are you? Oh, so excited to be here. So excited. We met at a party, didn't we? We met actually at the Hotbed Collective book launch. And we were just having a fag outside. And (laughs) whenever you're at those kind of things, it's always this sense of like, who are you? Like, who who are you? Why are you here? And it's always really difficult for me because I'm like, I'm I'm no one. I just came. <laughs> You're no um, one. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I'm not a cool influencer. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> no, but I'm anonymous, so I have I can't even say, oh, I'm la la la. Let uh, me explain. I have to just be like, I don't know. I'm just here for the, for the free drinks. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking to you about who I am. But anyway, when you told me that you work for the rights of women, I was like, oh my god, I love the rights of women. And how I know about them is because obviously, for my many years of working with victims of domestic violence uh, Mm. and immigration problems and family law problems, we always used to refer them to contact the rights of women Mm. because it is a free helpline that is manned by barristers. Um, Lawyers, lawyers, all kinds of lawyers, and they're all women lawyers. And they are there to to give women to help women to understand their rights and to give you free legal advice. Free legal advice. I is mean, awesome. it is gold dust. It is just such an unbelievable organisation. A fabulous charity to uh, donate to as well. Mm-hmm. I've donated to the rights of women in the past, and actually, I think I'm going to keep up a regular donation because I think you guys are so important. Yeah. Um, how how can people find the rights of women? Um, so if you just go online, rightswomen.org.uk. Um, my line is like a new line. So yeah. they've done like family law and immigration law and criminal law for years. But like employment law was always kind of neglected because we were like doing the most work where it was most needed, like sexual um, violence, like um, domestic abuse. Um, but employment law was always kind of like a luxury, you know, like we'd like to do it one day. But after the Me Too movement, so much money was like generated from Time's Up. So we're, we're funded by Time's Up in this organisation called Rosa. And we were able to bring in a new member of staff, me, and set up a completely new like legal advice line and finally sort of address this problem of abuse of women in the workplace that is incredible Mm. that is we were talking before we started about um you know the the pros and cons of social media and i think Mm. for women social media has just been so liberating and has connected so many of us together in this thing of going oh fuck yeah like Mm. loads of men have done this to me too and i'm i'm not alone and actually they're not supposed to be doing this yeah like like in the workplace it is so under discussed you know we understand abuse of women in the domestic setting but we're not realizing that the exact same things happen in the workplace like people are using their power over women in the tools that they have in the workplace so like if it's your boss they can start punishing you in the workplace Mm. because they have the ability to do that and it's always just kind of gone under the radar and just been accepted and now we're going wow wow 
we know from the amount of calls we're getting this is widespread this is endemic and it's so bad as well because the it's not just harassment it, it's um we get a lot of calls about sexual assaults about rapes you know happening God. between colleagues and then they have to go to work the next day and all work together um so that's <laughs> so fucked up isn't it and yeah. you, you know your, your very basic person who's not thinking about this is going to think, oh, well, if my colleague raped me, I would just call the police and I wouldn't go to work the next day. But if you are oh reliant on that job to feed yeah. your children or to pay your mortgage or just to live, and the person who raped you is uh, the director. You literally have to sit across the room from Yeah, him. and there's no evidence for it, you know, necessarily. And you're worried you don't want to ruin your career. Yeah. You're just like, you know, you're trying to do a good job and... Yeah, so it's really, really bad because those relationships we have in the workplace, you know, they're like just as significant as anything we have at home. Well, I mean, we spend probably more time with our colleagues than we do with our family. Right. You know, you're at work seven hours a day. You've got a little period at home before you go to sleep. Yeah, and we're all getting drunk with our colleagues as mm. well. So it's like that creates this whole other dynamic. And Well, then there's also the dynamic of being social media friends having you yeah. know your colleagues on insta or facebook or whatever so yeah. then you kind of can't even escape it yeah. it's it's all so, yeah all all what's yeah. that word like all encompassing all encompassing yeah your, it, your work yeah. goes home with you yeah the it? boundaries are really blurred now and and lots of work environments have this like very work hard play hard culture mm. so it's just kind of like the boundaries all just kind of slip away and you're just like like kind of all living together living every part of your mm. life together and it you know everything that happens to you affects them yeah yeah and i um, mean yeah we get all kinds of like um but you know i think i think what the main thing that was what i mean which is maybe different than a domestic setting is the it's like if you have somebody harassing you who's more senior than you they obviously have tools to um perpetrate abuse against you that yeah. wouldn't happen in another way so like a senior manager very often if a woman like rejects a sexual advance from their boss they might start getting punished in the workplace because of it so they'll be like suddenly they're they're you know taken off of a project or they're removed from an email chain or they're told you're you're disinvited from this meeting or you know they're they're just demoted or they're you know they're passed up for promotion and then you know you're in this really powerless position because you're like oh my god because I haven't you mm. know gone you know haven't I haven't like kissed my boss or I haven't you know kind of flattered him sexually yeah. now I have to pay the consequences for it you know, in terms of my career. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked, isn't it? And then you get these, sorry, I just yeah. want to say in terms of swearing, I can't stop myself from swearing, <laughs> but my swearing has nothing to do with the rights of women. <laughs> the, 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 the lawyers who work there, they, they have kindly agreed to come on this podcast, but they, but they, they cannot be held responsible for me calling <laughs> anyone a cunt. That is me entirely. No, I apologize. I mean, if you have to, then you have to. Uh, it's like, you know, they're a professional organization. It's me. That's not professional. <laughs> um, but, but what I was going to say is like, you, you know, in terms of, um, 
this whole thing around men kind of being like, well, it can't be that serious if you're not willing to report it. How are you putting your career? Or I would just walk away from this career mm. without understanding just all the, mm. you know, say you've done a three year degree or whatever, and you've been desperate to get into this organization. And it's a big deal for you. You might have even moved to get there. Um, I, 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 you know, there's a real lack of understanding about how quite how powerless you can become yeah. in that context. Um, and it wouldn't happen if they didn't know that you know it's because they have something to give and you have something they want yeah and that's how that power dynamic you know works yeah what's going on with harvey weinstein at the moment is he still on what do we know or he's kind of gone under the radar a bit hasn't he i don't know i'm gonna have to check that out sorry i'm asking you like you're like he's your mate like what's going on with harvey man like (laughs) what's he up to um i know i've been reading about um you know that book jody i think it's jody Cantor and um megan twoies and it's the book which is like the investigative journalism that went like behind the scenes to work out like how much of a serial like monster abuser he was Mm. and so much of it is to do with legal protections that he had so he was using these things called um uh, non-disclosure agreements ndas right and it was such a powerful tool for him because he was able to use the law to kind of continue to go about doing the perpetrating he was doing unaccounted, you know, like un, uh, without being held account. So if you've signed an NDA, I get people to sign NDAs when they do podcasts and stuff with me because it's like, please don't tell anyone who I am or what my phone number is or yeah. where we record and all that kind of stuff. But if I was then but to... But that's a totally legitimate reason to yeah, have an NDA, Of right? course. But then if I was to, if, if we sign the NDA... NDNA because yeah. I, I just wrote, read an audio blog out about MDMA sorry so I'm getting confused um, but so if in my NDA I'm saying like nothing that happens here can be discussed outside of there da, da, da. Mm-hmm. if I then sexually assault that person or physically assault them or whatever does that then override the terms of the NDA yeah. or does so like an NDA should define what is your your keeping um, confidential so you're supposed to define like the confidential information but this is the whole issue with NDAs because it was they were being clearly misused because they were basically terrifying people into just staying silent and they didn't even know what they were really agreeing to they just sort of put the fear of god into them and mm. said you sign this piece of paper um like so the harvey weinstein uh, nda that you know zelda perkins if i don't know if you say it's all in the book but that ended up but because it was like 20 years ago, it was a very, very egregious NDA. And it said that she can't talk to her doctors. She can't talk to the police. She can't do anything like that. And now the rules would be like that wouldn't stand up in court. Right. So, they've you know, the rules are better now. But, but, but really it's about just paying someone for their silence. So it's money in exchange for silence mm, and yeah, that's you know scary. and then it was you know and it was covering up criminal behavior you know that he was going around this i mean the, the zelda perkins one for example was about um a sexual assault and an attempted rape um that he can sign you know you shouldn't ever be able to sign a piece of paper and just say you know that didn't happen so there are different rules now it's like there's whistleblowing rules and that things are better um, but there's still this massive conversation about when is like the ethical, what is the ethical uses of an NDA? Mm. And is there ever a reason or could you ever give a legitimate reason why you might want to cover up harassment and discrimination? Because, you know, people say, well, all it really does is protect the perpetrator. Yeah. And of course, these NDAs were put on women unilaterally as well. So it's like, 
only she can not talk about it. Mm. It's never the other way around. Right. Oh. So it's, you know, it's just another tool of oppression of women. Yeah. <laughs> Bastards. Right. We have got a load of questions. Okay. Yeah. okay we've got um, distracted. <laughs> what we need to start by saying is that, yes, Deba is a lawyer. Mm-hmm. She's absolutely qualified to answer these questions, but she is not providing direct free legal advice to these people. This is her generalized perspective on the content of these questions, but she doesn't know the ins and outs of what's happened. Mm-hmm. And so th- this is not to be taken as something where you can go, yeah, but Deba said this. And, <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that. This is yeah. just us having a discussion. This is a topic that I know nothing about, mm. literally. A okay. lot of my podcasts, so I'm too. like, I know about <laughs> this. I'm a bit of an expert in this. I have no background in this whatsoever. So, um, so you yeah. know, you're, you have the floor. I will contribute contribute Exciting. where I can. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Deba will not be held legally responsible <laughs> for anything that happens as a result Call of the you. advice line. So, if yes. You, if you want to, if you want advice. <coughs> What's if the you number? Want legal advice. Call the advice line. So it's o two o seven four four nine zero zero one five two. See, I, I know with the other rights of women line, it's like open for like two hours on yeah. a Monday, one hour on mm. a Wednesday. Is it the same with, it's with the yours? Same. So you've got to go on our website, rightsofwomen.org.uk, and uh, have a look at the opening times because it's it's limited, by isn't it? Volunteers. Yeah. Okay, but the more of us that donate, the then more the more lawyers that the more we will be able to have. Open. And they, yeah, exactly. So I think it's such a good uh, organisation to donate to. So the first question says, can you report bullying and non-sexual harassment years after you've left the job? Really good question. So there is an important distinction to be made between bullying and harassment. So harassment is, um, you can have all different kinds of harassment. So as long as it is one of your protected characteristics, so, you know, things like sex, age, race, um, all the other protected characteristics. Disability. Yeah. Um, It will fall under the Equality Act, which is where all this legislation comes from. Um, But the thing about bullying is unless you can sort of show that it's specifically about one of your protected um, characteristics, it might be hard to show it's harassment. So bullying doesn't really afford you the same protections. But having said that, an employer, there is employers are supposed to stop these situations from happening. You know, you are supposed to work in a in a workplace they where have a duty you of care, feel, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Like they've got to give you a safe environment to work in. And if you have a bullying complaint, you should absolutely feel that you are able to raise that. In terms of having left the job, um so you wouldn't probably be able to bring a legal claim under bullying anyway. So I don't think there's anything stopping you from leaving after you leave a job saying something. Because I mean lots of people want to do that because they want to protect people who still work in that place from somebody who's like a bully and I think I'm like you know I'm very much in favor of people who they feel that it's safe for them to do that they should make these reports because nothing's going to get better unless people speak up yeah so I mean I would say yes there's absolutely nothing stopping you from reporting bullying even after you've left what if it's sexual harassment what if my boss groped me or assaulted me five years ago i've left the job i never said anything at the time and now i've suddenly come to the point where i'm like actually i want to get this guy 
Yeah, so the whole, if you're going down legal action for sexual harassment, what you're trying to show is that the employer is is basically responsible. So you're trying to get some money out of the, all the all a legal claim can do is give you some money, basically. But you can go down the legal route, but if it happened five years ago, you've only got three months from when the incident happened from the sexual harassment or other right. types of discrimination to bring a legal claim. So that's it's an incredibly short amount of time and loads of women find that they're timed out, which is like a massive, massive shame. So if you are in a sexual harassment position uh, situation, it's really important to act quickly because you might run out of uh, time to be able to do so. And what about in terms of if it was a criminal thing? That's slightly different, isn't it? Would yeah. you, so you might not be able to make a legal claim, mm. but could you report sexual harassment to the police five years later? So sexual harassment isn't technically criminal. Right. It's employment law. So it's when it becomes sexual assault. Yeah. Which is any, uh, you know. Touching. Any touching that's unwanted that is sexual. Um, So like a groping is technically a sexual assault. Um, Then you go down the criminal route. But that is really, really difficult because, you know, there's all kinds of problems with like reporting to the police and and things like that. It's very... uh, difficult to get a charge mm. for something like that um i'm not sure of the exact time limit <laughs> you have to ask a criminal lawyer yeah i don't know i was just yeah. trying to think because i think in terms of common assault i think it's six months it's six months i was gonna say I yeah bet it's i think six it's six months, months. go away and <laughs> go away and check that yeah common assault is anything like if i poked you now yeah. on your arm in, in a way you could actually report me for common assault but if i poked your boob <laughs> then you can report me for sexual assault yeah um, it's anything that would be deemed sexual yeah. yeah so like a reasonable person would say yeah that was sexual yeah yeah interesting i'm going i'm going to learn a lot from this podcast (laughs) right the next question says my boss has made several comments about me probably getting pregnant in the future during meetings i feel uncomfortable with this do i have the right to be i'm so glad this question has come up because it's like this is a really really important point people need to know about sexual harassment so sexual harassment let's just get legal let's get technical it's any unwanted behavior of a sexual nature which makes you feel either that your your dignity has been violated um you or intimidate you makes you feel intimidated degraded or humiliated or feel like there's a hostile environment um but that's that's only one part of it it's also any behavior that makes you feel like how i just explained the uncomfortable part if it's related to do with your sex Okay, so it doesn't have to just be sexual. It can be any of to that do kind your gender, of behavior. Yeah. yeah. So it's like sex under the... <laughs> don't want to get in the whole gender sex debate, but that's what the law says. Yeah. It says um, if it relates to you being a woman, so clearly if someone's making comments about you being getting pregnant one day, that is a derogatory comment based on your sex, and that would fall under sexual harassment legislation. So you are absolutely within your rights. You've even, um, you know, the word that you're saying here, I feel uncomfortable, Yeah, means it falls squarely into sexual harassment. Wow. And the fact that it's happened during meetings means that there's witnesses to this. Yeah, I mean, that must be so humiliating. Very humiliating. And I mean, it was one of the things that came up quite a lot was a lot of questions from women, like, how do I tell my boss that I'm pregnant without being 
you mm. know, oh, fucking pesky women, yeah. you know. Um, I think pregnancy is quite a challenging thing for women in the workplace, which oh is my so God. fucked you, up. You like, could do a whole another, and you should do a whole another podcast on just pregnancy and discrimination in the workplace because it is, this is kind of like step one of it, these mm. like derogatory comments. If you're not actually pregnant, you can't go down a pregnancy discrimination route uh, because you're not protected. You have to be pregnant, but... Um, yeah, so these kind of derogatory comments. I would be very, very worried about this workplace culture mm. because if somebody, you have a boss that feels like they can freely say those comments, that, that is a massive issue. And the, the point is, is that your boss shouldn't feel comfortable to say that because yeah. you've got protections under the Equality Act. And, um, you know, what makes me so sad is that, you know, people are like doubting themselves, you know, am I allowed to be uncomfortable? With yeah. This? Of course you are. He should feel... You know, he should be the one being like, why, why has nobody told this guy? Yeah. <laughs> that he can't behave that way. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I wish, I hope that she has the confidence mm. to actually say, hang on, this is not acceptable. Yeah. It's such underlying in inherent misogyny, misogyny isn't it which is just like oh we have to employ women but how annoying that they're gonna cause this problem by continuing the human mm. race <laughs> i know <laughs> oh, oh my god i can't believe you're gonna do that yeah so i so this is what i say to you like i'd i'd make a record of every time that this guy says something and like create a little dossier mm. so you are ready to go with evidence and if you want to take it to your line manager or someone more senior you've got like multiple comments and you've got lots of evidence base to be like look this person is on a serial scale or how many times or whatever it is saying these comments which you know i it is sexual harassment and i know my rights because um, i listen to this podcast yeah <laughs> Um, and what do you do though if there is no HR department at work so if she was in this situation and he was where the buck stopped he's like a company director <sighs> so of a small right. private business yeah. where does she go with that that is one of the biggest issues um, we get on the advice line but don't feel that um, just because you don't have a HR department doesn't mean you can't do anything so like all employers have obligations under the law so if um, they um, you know for example for what number one they're all supposed to have um, a policy on sexual harassment in the workplace um, so if they don't so you can go on your like staff handbook or the intranet or whatever it is have a look if they've got one you would perfectly within your rights to say where is our policy if you don't have one and even if they don't have a HR department they should be having one anyway this this stuff like is easy to do and it's the kind of thing you should expect from any like serious company so there should be that but they also have to follow their own um there's like a whole procedure called um a grievance process which is basically when you make a complaint that basically every employer has to adhere to otherwise if you go down the legal route they're going to get in trouble for not having done that mm. so it's really in their interest to follow these processes because what happens if you if you ever end up in the employment tribunal arguing about your um, uh, the sexual harassment you've experienced if they haven't followed this grievance process properly they could get penalized 25 percent in terms of compensation mm. oh sorry not penalized it, they get you will get an uplift of 25 all right oh good so um it's really in their interest to follow these processes yeah so it's it's just like really like you know your rights they should know their rights if everyone plays the game fairly um then it shouldn't be a problem but i'm not saying it doesn't happen all the mm. time. Like there's a massive problem with if it's the most senior person in the organisation, it's just that kind of just trickles down the whole organisation and there is this culture of 
fear and nobody wants to you know suffer the consequences of having said something mm. in theory when you make a complaint you're supposed to go to someone independent it doesn't have to be hr if there's no hr mm. but you want somebody that's kind of out of the situation but yeah i guess there must be some organizations i've certainly worked in very small places many years ago like you know when i, I worked in chemists and mm. little shops and stuff when you know when i was a in my late teens or whatever you know and the, and the uh, you know the pharmacist was the owner of the chemist and mm. that was him and so i guess if i had a problem with him i would have to complain to him about the problem and that's yeah. where the you know he had employees it was a proper functioning business but so small that really there would not be able to be any procedure for you know if i've got a grievance against you okay yeah. how do we deal with yeah. this you know i know it's such an issue like i could tell you the law all day long and the reality of the situation is always so much harder yeah and i completely like i understand when i'm talking to women on the advice line it is so much harder than that in reality um all you have to i mean all we can really do all the rights women can do is educate people about their rights and make them feel confident to be able to enforce them yeah to, to, to say you can't do this to me this i know what is or isn't allowed so i guess if you couldn't take it up directly with that person because they were the perpetrator but they were also the person within your that organization who mm. where the buck stopped i guess the only advice really would be leave mm. if you can look I mean, for another job so sad. that makes me so sad that the women should have to do that or anyone should have to do that but i mean i wouldn't say that would be my advice i would always encourage somebody to try and um use their rights if they can that's why rights are there mm. but i guess I taking a legal claim against somebody mm. i mean that you have the right to do that and you should do that mm. but if you are in a situation where it's like how can you if you, to you mm. and your boss and that's that's who the company is and you're sat mm. there all day going i'm taking a legal claim against you would you like a cup of tea <laughs> it's you know like, it is like and obviously if you start getting legal with your work like it's such an aggressive move yeah that it becomes kind of untenable to keep working there mm. um so like a lot of the women we talk to it's kind of like accepted that their employment relationship is going to be now over because yeah it's like i have to sue this um this employer within three months by the way so mm. you're probably still working there um so it's really difficult like uh, it's you know yeah a lot of women do end up just leaving it's so tough isn't it rock and a hard place mm. Right, next question says, my senior boss at work said that my Instagram posts were too saucy. Even that word, saucy. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that men will start assuming that on my days off, I get up to a certain kind of thing. He said that I should avoid bikini pictures. What could have I done in this situation? I didn't report it as I was scared of repercussions. Um, yeah, so I would say that that falls into harassment based on sex. Um, but I get, you know, one comment isn't, you know, you're not necessarily going to complain to HR and start a legal action because of one comment, but it's important for you to know that that's wrong for him to say that um, and feel confident. You know, I think just, you know, if having the confidence to be like, you shouldn't say comments like that to me, that's my private Instagram. Mm. <laughs> I mean, try maybe try and remove him from your Instagram if he's on that, because then we're, you know, we were talking earlier about blurring that line between yeah. colleagues and and work if it makes you know like you should be able to go to your work and not have people comment about your instagram but i know that's really hard in this like very public world we live in right now so do, do, would your workplace have any right to 
to, to say, actually, we don't like that post that you put up. I mean, I'm sure mm. that they could do it if you'd put up some wildly racist post or something. I think Would they'd they... have to show that it, 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 like, brings the company into disrepute or something. Right. So if it was, like, criminal or... Um, or if you had your tits out with yeah. your Tesco uniform on or something. Then they... <laughs> yeah, like if it had the branding yeah. on or something like that. They probably um, could... Um, yeah, I, actually, when, we, when we're talking about people have been sacked for that before. Right. So um, you do, you just got to be really careful. And like um, a lot of this stuff is kind of like buried in the fine print of like your contract, your employment contract and stuff like that. So you've got to be really, really careful with what you what your uh, colleagues can see, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. But in terms of like whether you can report it, I mean, you don't always have to take like a very, very serious complaint route. I think it's totally fine to just say to your line manager, like, my, you know, it's a bit weird that he said that to me. I don't feel very comfortable. Um, and, you know, the, the whole organisation, you know, should kind of want to not make you feel like be in this situation so I think maybe like a quiet discreet word with maybe your line manager um just so that they're aware of the situation is a good idea and in terms of scared of repercussions that is I mean like my heart goes out to you because like that is the number one problem with like sexual harassment and people not wanting to come forward they are so scared of what will happen if they do mm. um, and that's also why they don't say mm. and let alone reporting it's why you don't i mean it's quite shocking isn't it you know if i'm sat opposite somebody and they've said you know men are going to assume things about your pictures that, yeah. you know you and them bikini pictures I, I think even me with my big loud mouth would be so taken aback mm. in that situation that i'd probably just go <laughs> and then think about it later and yeah. think oh my god like that's really messed up yeah it comes from a place of him, doesn't it? He's looked at those pictures mm. and thought, oh, she's a bit saucy. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's not what other men are thinking. It's what you're thinking. Yeah, and, and you're then like projecting that. your opinion. Yeah. You've just got no problem just telling me your, like, sexist opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I think we as women are just so used to this, aren't we? We're just so yeah. used to it. I think, um, yeah, again, it's it's... <sighs> There doesn't, I mean, you can, I mean, I know, so it depends on like how outspoken you want to be and things like that. Um, I would think like, I've got to say like on the advice line, we, most of the kind of people who are coming forward and going down the legal route have suffered like really sustained harassment. You know, like this isn't just like one or two comments that, you know, most of us would just let go. Mm. It's like, it's got so bad that they've had real problems in the workplace. So they're having this victimization thing, which is um, they're getting punished in the workplace for either rejecting advances or having made a complaint or th um, about sexual harassment. Um, so the thing yeah, about making a complaint though yeah. is that it gives you a protection. If you um, have made a complaint about sexual harassment in a formal way, um, you get the protection against victimization under the Equality Act, which means you can't be you can't suffer a detriment because you've made that complaint. Right. So in a way, it sometimes can be a good way to cover yourself. I've made a formal complaint. You can't stop punishing me in the workplace, mm. and you just be aware of that. But I'm not saying it's an ideal solution. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely a distinction, isn't there? I mean, I remember where I worked, there was this um, older guy, he was like a caretaker. He'd worked there for years, like 20 years in the building. So he wasn't in my team or anything, but he was just somebody who was around always repairing things or whatever. 
And he was always very, like, flirtatious with me. And then one day I was walking up the stairs and I had a skirt and boots on and I he was behind me and I was like, oh, like, so he was carrying something. I was like, oh, do you want to go ahead? He was like, absolutely not, mate. I'm enjoying this view. And I felt, like, mm, creepy, but, you know, it's just him. So, uh, like, mm. whatever. And then another time, not too long after that, I was in the toilets and I'd... I don't know what it was, but something had dropped down my trousers or my skirt or my leg or whatever. Yeah. Like a white stain. It was Tipex or something. I don't know, whatever it was. And I was in there wiping it off. And he came into the women's toilets, which was fine because that was part of his job. You know, he'd always knock and mm. he didn't just burst in. And I was wiping that and he made some comment. I can't remember what it was now, but th alluding to the fact that it looked like I had jizz mm. on my <laughs> clothes at work. Like, you know... Uh, and again, I felt really like ugh, uncomfortable with it. And then I can't remember what the third thing was, but there was a third thing. And I remember going back to my colleagues and just going, we call him John. John, the caretaker is really fucking creeping me mm. out at this point. Like these are the three things that he said to me. But there was also this whole thing of like, oh, but he's old and he's worked mm. here for years. Mm. And, you know, because he was a caretaker, he's probably not earning like a great deal of money. So it was, it was... I had this thing of like, no, I want to say something because it's absolutely not okay for him to be making yeah. these comments to me. It's really disgusting. But at the same time, it, ne it didn't feel like, as you say, it wasn't that he couldn't have stopped me from progressing mm. in my career. He, yeah. he wasn't able to punish me. He wasn't in a senior position. Mm. It was creepy. It was disgusting. But there wasn't any like ongoing ramifications yeah. of it. And I made the decision not to say anything because I just sort of felt like... I don't want him to lose his job yeah. as a result of this. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, he needs to know that this is not okay. So it kind of stopped. I don't I don't really remember what happened, but I, I never did anything about yeah. it. But I just remember sort of... I know, like, wouldn't it be amazing if we just lived in a world where it would be, like, okay for you to say that? Because at the end of the day, like, it's your workplace, mm. and, you know, and you should we should all expect a certain level of, like professionalism you know like it's not like you're out in a club like yeah where the rules are different like mm. you, at work things should be different right it's work and <laughs> I think you need just like it's very difficult because it's we don't have that many sympathetic people at the top yeah I bet like if we had more sympathetic people at the top someone would be like you know someone now might be like horrified to hear that because they wouldn't want a sexual harassment complaint yeah. on their hands so you don't know like it just depends on, like, the appetite of how much the employer wants to kind of, you know, how serious they are about, you know, we don't really, we don't want women to be experiencing this. Uh, I keep saying women. I know it's not just women. It's not just women. <laughs> it's just the women I work with. I work yeah. with women. But it's anyone, you know, we, none of us should feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've actually, let's just say that we're going to keep saying women, mm. most likely. <laughs> because, you know, I spoke about this in my last podcast, which was about domestic violence. And yeah, we're totally aware that it happens to men yeah. too. But if we're going to be realistic about what the issue is, then this is a yeah. an issue that is predominantly men victimising women. Mm -hmm. And both domestic abuse and sexual harassment are completely supported by the fact that misogyny is so inherent in our society. And we are run by patriarchal yeah. systems and organisations. And that is why it's so much easier for uh, men to get away with it and for women to end up as being victims. Mm -hmm. It does happen the other way around. Men can be sexually harassed by women, but the systems in place are more likely to support men mm -hmm. and come down harder on, on a woman. 
exactly. unfortunately. So, so yes, while we recognise that this can and does happen to men, we're going to keep saying women. <laughs> if you're a man, you can still listen and you know that these rules apply exactly. to you. Exactly. There's no, in the Qualitech, there's nothing about... Or you may be a man who's being sexually harassed by another man at, at mm-hmm. work. And so all of this still applies to you. But we're just going to keep saying women because I've got 93% female followers. So I might as well make it yeah. relevant to the vast majority of the people who listen. All right, next next question says, what can you do if it's a co-worker that's sexually harassing you, but it's outside of work? Okay, that's a good one. Because, okay, so... <coughs> um, so outside of work, well, that depends. So if it is what the Equality Act says is if it is within the course of your employment, so you don't have to, like, literally physically be in the office, but if as part of your job you have to drive around in a car or you have to do on-site visits or whatever it is, that's still you on the job. So you have protections on the job. And that also extends to, like, uh, social occasions. So if you have... So work, work, Christmas Christmas parties, someone's leaving, do... Wherever it's, like, expected you to be there because it's work, Mm. um, then your employer still has liability. Right. Um, The only thing is it starts getting tricky, and this is where we get um, a lot of um, calls on the advice line. So people have, like, have gone for work drinks, like someone's leaving do, and then they'll go on to, like, a club, and it'll be, like, a smaller group of people, and then they'll have gone on to somebody's house to, like, have a house party or whatever. Then it's a bit more difficult to show that the employer still has liability because at that point, if you've gone on to a club... That's not work, is it? So, mm. well, it might be. <laughs> it's just a bit. Of dis- it becomes a bit of a discussion because it might be because if you're like boss, you all go out for work drinks, and your boss is like, right, we're all going to karaoke after after party, whatever. Um, you could say, well, it was expected for me to be there. This was all part of the work drinks. Um, so it does get a little like that's what employers will say like if an employer was defending them they'd say that's not our responsibility but what responsibility would an employer have say you've got a colleague and uh, you've exchanged numbers because of work or whatever you've worked on a project together and that's all over and then they text you one night at nine o'clock when work is fully over you're both at home and they're like I think you're sexy as fuck Mm -hmm. or you know do you want to go out and if you say no they're like you know making things hard for you at work or being weird with you at work. I think that would still fall into their... Or what if they know about employment law and so they don't do it within the confines of work, but then they're just texting you continuously outside of work hours... Does that would still be... You could still go to your employer and say, this person is doing this. Yeah, so, I, you know, if someone is, like, repeatedly texting you and you have their number through work, like, you wouldn't have a texting yeah. relationship if you weren't colleagues and you just so happened to have exchanged numbers at some point. I think, you know, an employer is still responsible for that just um you know it's very different when you meet like somebody randomly in a club or you know whatever some other situation that's the reason you know that person yeah but if the reason you know that person is because they're your colleague and then they are you know harassing you and a lot of the harassment starts by text message like on, on the line a lot of it starts as like flirty like it's not necessarily unwanted at the beginning but you know it's it's when it gets to the point of um, being that kind of 
um, that making you feel kind of intimidated, degraded, humiliated. It's it's when it kind of crosses that line that, that it becomes harassment. I guess it's very difficult to say no, isn't it? You know, it's, it's hard yeah. enough to say no to somebody who you've been on a date with and you think, oh, I'm not that interested. Mm, it can be really yeah. difficult to go, look, I don't feel that way. But if you know that you have to see them at work the next day and that they might act funny about it, it can be mm. really difficult to, to, to be firm. But I think it's incredibly important for us to set our boundaries and to not feel you know awkward about saying yeah. i'm not interested i owe you nothing you're not yeah. entitled to me i don't give a fuck if we sit next <laughs> together to- and you can also like oh, at least then you have the protection of being like i don't think this is professional yeah whereas when you're like on a date or trying to break up with someone you can't be like yeah i don't have to engage with this but or it's harder to but at least you can be like this is professional, do not text me on my work phone this stuff or I don't think, you know, this is appropriate given our working relationship. So hopefully, you know, that can be a help, but I'm not saying it always works that way. Yeah. People definitely cross that line all the time. It's awkward. Um, Right, the next question says, one guy from work gets handsy. And she went on to explain this meant like arm around the back or a hand on the knee with females at the Christmas party every year. Everyone knows about it and even warn newer female employees to watch out for him. Mm. But no one will do a single thing to stop him or even speak on his behaviour. He's never touched me or actually sexually assaulted anyone. But is there anything that we can do to make it stop? Okay, so the thing to remember is sexual harassment doesn't have to have happened to you directly. It can be something that you see or hear or witness that makes you feel this same thing again. So as if your dignity is violated, you feel intimidated, degraded, humiliated, it creates a hostile environment. So it can be if you are watching somebody go around the Christmas party feeling everybody up and it makes you feel um, those things and it's clearly sexual behavior and you can and it's unwanted in terms of you don't want to see it um you could um you are well within your rights to make a complaint um and you know the thing is it's like you know we have to make these complaints otherwise this guy just like carries on perpetrating and but what about when it's not clearly sexual mm. behavior because in this instant in this instance, she's talking about getting handsy. And I understand that, you know, because actually someone putting their hand on your lower back or something Ugh. is not necessarily sexual. And from some people, I wouldn't even bat an eyelid, you mm. know. But with others, it can make you feel so icked out. Like, it feels like spiders yeah. crawling on your back. It's, and there is... It's that power dynamic, though, isn't it? Like, if it's someone really senior and he's going around doing that to the junior people, then it's clearly unwanted, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, but like is any it reasonable... Sex, you know, putting a hand on, on a leg, can we call... The, I mean, it to me it is, and I can see how it is, because there is that, you know... Yeah. It, 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 you know, it's not nice. But if, you know, you couldn't go to the police and say, somebody put their arm on my back or my, mm. their hand on my knee. Mm. Is, 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 but is that taken then more seriously? Obviously, it's not a criminal offence. Or it could be. I mean, it's actually, it's common assault, but technically you're probably not going to get anywhere with yeah. that i mean but it is and, harassment yeah it is harassment. and it's is it like, sexual harassment then i think yeah like hands on the shoulder things like that hand on the small of the back yeah that it's is classic touch. it's a classic um form of harassment so yeah. if it's you know and and you know i'm not saying if you did it one time you know you might be able to forgive that but it's 
it's you know the, the it's the people going around doing that to everybody yeah this guy's known for it exactly yeah. i mean there i mean this is this this is the bad thing about it it's like everybody knows and nobody wants to speak up i mean yeah. that's when you know you've got this like institutional problem that no everyone is, is in fear of this person mm. and he can kind of act get away with acting with however he wants you know that that's that's a culture problem. The fact that even new female employees are warned, warned to watch I mean, out that's for him. What was Something like, has to be done about this guy. Yeah. I wonder if they can get together. Oh, exactly. But then that's it's scary really to be that person who 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 gets everyone together mm. to say, let's all join. You know, because if you start that and then yeah. people aren't on board with it and then go and say to him, oh, she's trying, you know, she's starting a campaign against you or, or whatever. It's so complex, isn't it? The thing is, it's like everyone is really scared as well to make these really informal complaints. Like, I don't, that's what HR is for. Like, if you can't go to your HR department and say this guy is touching everyone at the Christmas party, then you've got a dysfunctioning HR department. Yeah. Like, they should be jumping up to attention being like, right, just... One, we don't want people to be experiencing this, but two, we could have a sexual harassment claim on our hands. So everyone should be responding to this. It's the problem with all of these questions, isn't it? It's just it's so entrenched in us just to not to say anything, to mm. not be that person. That's always the problem. Like, Well, yeah, again, it's back to that thing of thinking... I mean, this guy could lose his job, and no. then and then feeling responsible for that, like, oh well, me. You I know. know. So I know. So this bit here about he never touched me or sexually assaulted me, like, oh my god, it doesn't have to take a sexual assault for yeah. You, I mean, the point of the Equality Act is that you've got rights, even at this point, like you've got rights. So it shouldn't have to. Everyone kind of goes. I mean, we get this on the advice line all the time. Like, um, you know, this woman was telling me the most horrific, like. Scale of like this campaign of like sexual harassment and, and abuse against her in the workplace, and then at the end of it, she was like, "Is that really? Is that is it as bad as I think it is?" And I was like, "That is like one of the worst stories I've ever ever heard." Mm. You know, like people have it find it really difficult to measure how bad it is. Yeah, and we all kind of have a different interpretation of what that is. Um, but I think that's the thing about the law. It's so black and white. It's an equaliser. You know, you don't need to be like, is it that bad? You shouldn't have to question it. The point the point of sexual harassment is that it's how you feel. Yeah. It's it's a subjective test. It's whether you do you feel intimidated, your dignity violated. If your boss goes around touching everyone at the Christmas party, I think that is perfectly, like, reasonable for you to feel that way. Mm. Um so yeah, that, at that point, you, 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 your rights are triggered. Yeah. So, yeah, it she, is really hard. She should definitely <laughs> but, say say something. Um, I mean, but also, yeah, your but you mean before you know we're, we're about to come up to Christmas party season. Um, good HR departments are kind of on that on this these days, and sometimes they'll send like an email around to the whole organisation and just remind everyone about what mm. is or isn't appropriate behaviour. I mean, it's sad that we have to do that, but at least you know there's trying to be they're trying to like prevent this stuff happening from in the first place rather yeah. than the situation where we are which is oh well it, nothing can be done yeah my friend works for a huge organization and they just sent out an email saying um every year we have a huge problem with cocaine in the toilets at christmas <laughs> around christmas time could everyone please refrain from using cocaine at work i was like fucking hell well, yeah <laughs> but there's nothing about the sexual nothing about, stuff oh don't yeah. worry about sexual harassment everyone carry on with that um <laughs> I, I don't know if I, we, we may have sort of answered this question a little bit about the 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 what can you do if it's a co-worker if it's out but if it's outside of work and yeah. the question is is it sexual harassment if someone asks you out at work 
Mm. And I wanted to sort of use this point to talk a bit about, you know, men at the moment, as a result of Me Too and Time's Up and all that, have suddenly, you see a lot of people like, Mm. I don't even know if I can talk to women anymore. (laughs) Like, what am I supposed to do? Um, That there is this whole, like, well, we just won't talk to you then Mm. um, because we don't want to be accused of anything. Yeah. so well, yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk a bit about that. I mean, is it so? So if you, you're getting on with a guy or girl, you go to lunch with them regularly, and then they say at work, you know, would you like to go for a drink later? Is that sexual harassment? So sexual harassment has to be unwanted, right? If it's wanted, it's not harassment. Like office romances, whatever that happens all the time, it's fine. You know, as long as you're in a situation, that's why the subjective test is so important because it has to be to the point where it's unwanted to you and it makes you feel that way. The the other thing to remember about sex harassment is well, it doesn't have to be intentional. Mm. So if that person was like, oh, I didn't mean to, you know, harass you, like whoops. Yeah. It doesn't, that, that's, it that doesn't matter all it is all that matters is whether you felt that way either intentionally or not so it's a it's a kind of you know it's it's a a more lenient test because otherwise it would never people would never come forward because you'd have to prove objectively that they meant to harass you or how can you prove that but then would they come back and go well how can she prove that i knew that she didn't want it yeah yeah, yeah i know like how can i know how can i know that I she asked? wasn't interested yeah the thing is yeah, I mean, but the thing is, just because something might technically or not technically fall into sexual harassment, it's like, I think it, I think a one-off kind of thing like that could probably be resolved. Yeah. Fairly. Like, hopefully, you'd hope yeah. something like that, if it's a misunderstanding I think or whatever. It, yeah, I guess if somebody politely and respectfully yeah. asked you out for a drink and you totally weren't interested and you said, I'm not, and then they left it, yeah. then you'd be a bit hard on them for going to complain about HR, even though you probably have the right to. Well, you'd, you'd struggle to say that violated my dignity and made me feel intimidated, you know, unless, like, the power well, dynamic yeah. is so bad. So if it was, like, the CEO of the company and you're an intern and they yeah. come up to you and say, I want to go out on a date with you, then you can see how that would be so unwanted yeah. and make you feel humiliated and, and the rest of it. So it really depends, like, it's... I guess if you come from a place of trauma as well, I mean, there's some some women and men are so traumatized by sexual abuse or physical abuse or whatever it is that they've experienced in the background that actually a a man approaching them in that way even if he thinks he's being respectful could be could could be disturbing Mm. to them and 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 could feel harmful to them um so i suppose this one is quite a gray area isn't it because it's it's, that one's really tricky it's about intention and then how the person felt but i mean i guess the thing is that people just have the right to go to work without being sexually objectified Mm. and asked out and and all of that so i mean really men just need to kind of avoid it unless they're really getting the green light and we all know, you know, yeah. and that's why it pisses me off about this whole thing of like, oh, how am I spending, you know, nah, 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 nah. well, you know. You, well, all... yeah, I mean, oh, so we're getting this like, uh, we're getting a lot of questions about, yeah, like consensual relationships in the workplace and that guy from McDonald's who was um, oh, fired yeah. because he, it was against, it was in his contract then and they're not supposed to have any relationships or whatever. I was like, okay, but the thing is, is that all of that is kind of a distraction, you know, like consensual relationships and stuff is not yeah. my problem, as in it's not my work. I'm dealing with the unconsensual Mm. i'm dealing with the sexual assaults and the rapes and the you know the victimization you know so i think it's a little bit of a it's a bit of a distraction from the whole problem yeah 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 i I mean i think it's just there's so much to talk about isn't there it's such a like (laughs) but what if but what if you know 
So what is your advice to people who don't think that they'll be believed? This is the hardest one because my heart goes out to those people because, I mean, God, I, we all have felt like that, haven't we? I think in terms of legally, it can still be a good idea to make a sexual harassment complaint because, as I've said, it gives you that extra protection if you start getting if, if you start getting punished in the workplace, you can be like, right, well, this is victimization. So sometimes, you know, as a precaution, the complaint is worth doing just in case, because sometimes if you don't make a complaint and these things are so often like no one else was there, it's my word against his word, you've got to kind of, I mean, you've got to believe that you're still within your rights. So know your rights, look it up. And be confident that, yes, like this was unwanted behaviour. This made me feel like this. You've got to create evidence, okay? So you've got to explain in detail um, exactly what happened. So that's why I said maybe keep a diary or a log or of everything that's happened to date. If it's you're getting text messages, you know, if you're getting whatever it is, Snapchats, emails, you know, like, yeah. screenshot it, create your evidence base and... Um, you know, an employer is supposed to approach these things fairly, like they have responsibilities to you as an employee and the perpetrator. OK, so you're both employees. They have to like rest. Um, they have to balance a fair investigation between the both of you. But if you can create like a convincing body of evidence and very often these people are, you know, behaving badly generally. And you may, you might be able to find other people who would back you up. Or, as you said, like, come together as a collective. Maybe you can put in a co complaint with, like, a few people and you have, like, that safety in numbers. But it is so difficult. Like, so many women just say that to all the time on the phone. No one's going to believe me. No one's going to believe me. And some HR departments straight up say to their faces, we don't believe you. We're not going to wow. do anything. Yeah, because employers don't want, they don't, if they investigate and they see, they find that there was harassment, then they're liable. Right. So they don't want that. So what if an HR department does outright say, we don't believe you, we're not going to take any notice of this? It happens all the time. And that's why the legal route becomes really important, because you might have to end up fighting. I mean, this it can be a fight. It's kind of a battle mm. if they don't want to engage with you. And that's why, I mean, what we do at Rights Women, right, what we're asking for is like all the law can do is kind of give women redress after these terrible things have happened to them. And all the law does is give you some money. So like if you had some financial loss because of all of this, like you lose your job or whatever, you can ask for it back. But really, like, can they stop the damage being done? That The whole system is wrong. It's all about redress and we need to move to like prevention we need to be mm. stopping this stuff happening in the first place so employers should want to see this stuff and be like you know we've got to stop this you know nip this in the bud if this guy is a problem we want to know about it we want to take him aside we want to do something about this but you know currently now all the perpetrators you know if they make a lot of money or they're well respected in the organization you know they get like protected yeah. because the employers don't want to let them go so would you face, you know, if I was making a, a complaint and it had to get to the legal stage, would I get legal aid for that or would I have to pay out for lawyers? So legal aid for discrimination, um, it is technically there, but it's very, 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 very difficult to get. A lot of people don't know how to get it. So that's why 
the Rights of Women's Advice line is so important because we give free legal advice because there was such a demand for people who need this. Oh, the, I will give you one tip, though. <laughs> is a, It's a very, very good idea if you have home insurance. Mm. When you get your home insurance, one of the things you can ask for is like legal cover yeah. as part of it. And that will cover a discrimination ah, Oh, because it could potentially affect you paying your rent or mortgage. No, or... no. So it was a specific thing you kind of tick and it's like, do you want legal cover as well yeah. with your home insurance? And that will cover discrimination in the workplace. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so it's definitely a good idea to tick that box, like have that insurance because otherwise... Yeah. Is that car insurance as well or just home? It's like, I think it's just home. Mm -hmm. It's not car, it's home. Um, it's just home. And just check out the policy and see if it will cover any future legal expenses because mm -hmm. that is really, really helpful if you ever find yourself in this situation because this could happen to anyone, right? Yeah. So very often women are, you know, they're getting um, pushed out the door of their job because whatever this has happened or they're being put on this, like their performance is being like questioned and they're, you know, basically being sacked from their job and paying like legal fees is really, really expensive. So in the first place, Call Rights Women will give you free legal advice. But if you want to pursue a claim... Yeah, because um, you guys can't expensive. actually go to court with them and represent them no. or... or build legal cases you can just give them advice about yeah. whether they d would have a legal claim to pursue basically exactly. yeah all right um this one says i work in a male dominated environment they have never been directly nasty with me but i hear the way that they speak about other women they will talk about women they have slept with in really nasty ways and they often make sexualized comments about female customers do i have the right to say something even if it's not directed at me so yes, 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 you do. So yeah. as we've said already, it doesn't have to be directly So it's that hostile you. environment, isn't it? Yeah, so it's any behaviour that is sexual, unwanted, and makes you feel like you're in a hostile environment, exactly. And this would be, I think, more because there's no sexual behaviour, this would be um, harassment based on sex because they're talking about the way that they slept with women. Yeah. So it's just so difficult, isn't it? Because I know how it feels to be, a, a, you know, a, a women's right type of woman. And, you know, if you're working in the city or something and it is this real lad culture mm. and this is just what they do and this is how we talk about women. You don't want to be that person who's like, no, stop it. This is not nice. You know, because you know that there will be eye rolls. You know that you will be judged as the one who can't take the banter. Uh, you know, some yeah. dickhead feminist, feminazi. <laughs> Literally, I was having an argument with someone last night who was just like, giving me so much uh grief for being a feminist uh, it's, it's really shocking actually because i obviously live in this like feminist bubble yeah i'm like everyone's like a feminist chamber, yeah. yeah like what do you mean and then you talk to someone who's just like mocking me like really hard and i was really shocked um so i don't know what that means <laughs> stay in your bubble yeah <laughs> no i mean it's yeah it, it's, it's so hard you break it down like how do you persuade people well because they, they 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 you know it, it adds to it further, doesn't it? You just become that sh you know, shut up woman. Mm. Like, this is what men are like. And, oh, I bet the reason you're so moody is because you haven't been fucked mm -hmm. for a while. You know, it's all of that kind of attitude. And it's really difficult to fight against without being made to feel without, I think stupid, that's the problem, like, isn't it? It's like, we're putting it on ourselves. We're saying it's my job to go over to those guys and say, hey, stop it. Like, yeah. it shouldn't be your job. It should be your employer's job yeah. because they're the ones who are going to get sued right yeah so they should be going they should be hearing that and going 
don't ever do that again. Yeah. A, because we'll get sued and B, because you shouldn't do it. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think that's the whole problem, isn't it? Like we've just assumed that it's my job to go and go and like correct them. Mm. Like it's, you know. Shit. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> All right. We're like depressed you. This one's an interesting one. So how do you deal with little banter comments? For example, my manager spilt a bit of water on my foot and said, sorry, did I get you wet? I knew what he meant, but I know that if I had complained, he would have been able to justify it because technically he did get me wet. How do we deal with things like that? Yeah, so it doesn't matter that he did get you wet. Um, you could still, I think, make a good case. But would she have a, any chance of that? Because actually he can go, what? Yes, I got mm. her wet and I was asking if I got her wet. Like. doesn't matter because it's subjective. Banter is like the most frequently cited defense banter is not a defense it doesn't you can say it was a joke until you're blue in the face it doesn't matter it's how you made that person feel right but even if he doesn't say this was a joke he's actually saying like shit like i actually spilled water mm. on her and i asked her if i got her wet like i mean i would hope that that could be something that would be if you wanted to make a complaint that could be like resolved as you know okay that was a genuine mistake and then you wouldn't say, okay, well, now, you know, I, I, I don't actually feel degraded because you've said that yeah. because I now I guess I if it's a you. series of these little things, then it would go some way to be able to prove if there was that and then something else and then mm. something else. And they were But all... having said that, it doesn't have to be a series of events. So that might make people think, oh, it has to be a series of events. Sexual harassment can be a one-off. Right. So, I mean, technically speaking, under she the law... She could complain under, she on could, that. She could say, yeah. even if it's one incident... You can still go, look, this comment, and it's what you were saying about trauma and how deeply affected some, you know, if somebody had been made, told that comment in a really like uh, um, horrible situation that triggered them or whatever, they might immediately go to, this is making me feel mm. like my, my dignity is violated. So, it, the, I mean, it is really tricky because it's a subjective test, but I think what's interesting about this question is just more that we feel that we have to sort of objectively prove the harassment. You know, you need to be able to like have CCTV and be like, look, mm. this happened. And the problem is, is that we're constantly doubting ourselves, aren't we? Like all of these questions, like the similar vein in them, is it like, is it? Yeah. Is it? Am I allowed to feel this way? Yeah. Like you are allowed to feel this way. I think that's a gross comment, actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's yeah. just And I think any grown up is gonna know that if you mm. say to a woman, Did I get you wet? There is always gonna be something behind you know. And there's like you know, you could be like what's wrong with this like checking, being like, you know, gauging his reaction, being like, What did you say? And mm. you know, if he says something gross and pervy afterwards, then you can be like, Right, I was right to think that. It's so hard, isn't it though? Because like 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 I was saying earlier, you know, there's often this thing of like, if I was able to look back on this situation, I, I would have, at the time, mm -hmm. obviously this is not me, but, you know, I would say, actually, I find that comment incredibly inappropriate. Mm. But when you're there and you weren't expecting it and everything's moving and you're thinking, ah, like, you know, it can be very hard to find the right response in the moment. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to, like, I think there's obviously stuff you're going to just let go. But if this like us having this conversation at least now you know yeah like, you can be aware of it next yeah. time if something makes you, you feel uncomfortable you have the right to call it out and you won't doubt yourself maybe next yeah. time and 
and you'll start to see the thing is like when you're a sexual harassment you start to see it everywhere yeah <laughs> you start to see it everywhere because you're just like so much is normalized i always want to go up to people and be like did you know under the quality <laughs> act that this is actually because people don't know people don't have a proper understanding of their legal rights yeah it's amazing actually i'm i'm, I'm impressed actually by how uh, protected we are um mm, yeah you know, that the, the equality act has gone so far and has done so much it's, well, it's, it's brilliant i mean i don't want to go that far but the point is it's there in it's writing there. Will Are this people be, using it? Will this be affected by Brexit? No, no, no. Because obviously human rights law is, is a European not, law. Yeah, this isn't human rights law, though. This is employment law. Right. But, I mean, we could talk, we could do a whole other podcast on that. But uh, no, in theory, this should be okay. Okay. All right, this is the last question, which says... Some years ago, I was involved in a case against a guy I used to work with as he'd been accused of sexual harassment by a colleague. Three of us were named by her as his other victims. I hadn't actually considered it to be sexual harassment at that point. I just found it creepy and I hated what he did to me, but I was too young and too messed up to know that he was in the wrong. Anyway, we were asked to give statements anonymously, which I did. And through the course of the proceedings, I realised that he was in the wrong. I was a victim and he should absolutely be punished in some way. I was categorically told that my name would never be revealed to him as an accuser. He got sacked. A short while later, I was contacted by the department that had dealt with it and they informed me that because he had lost his job, he had the right to know who had accused him. And therefore, all of our names had been given. Since then, I have seen him in the bank that I work in as he is still a customer. I feel sick with fear if I walk down the street and think I've seen him as I don't know what he might do or say. I've heard that he was so angry that he made threats when he first found out. What I want to know is, was my company in the right to share our names? Was this legal? If so, what is the point in making an anonymous statement? I wasn't given a choice and as the victim, I'm still afraid of what could happen. Yeah, so this is so awful um, and I'm sadly quite a common problem because I know I've been encouraging everyone to make complaints but um, the truth is, is that you can never, you can never be 100% guaranteed that your name isn't going to get dragged into the mud and into a complaint and you're like that employer should have been much more much more upfront about that because I feel like employers are better at that now because they don't want to take any responsibility but the fact that you've gone through like anonymous statements and like you know they've they've t sort of given you that belief that you'll have anonymity and then it's just like fundamentally been smashed I mean that's so awful um do I think so in terms of I mean without sort of being able to get into the ins and outs of it um, properly without more context but the fact that he was sacked and then had the right to know doesn't sound right to me um, I can't think of anything that would mean he would automatically have the right to anonymous information that happened at my work as well there was a really awful really awful person who, who worked there and loads of people got together and whistle blew and there was really serious stuff actually um, loads of people got together and whistle blew and it was completely anonymous. Um, but then when she lost her job uh, and then she appealed it, I think she went for like employment tribunal or, mm. or whatever. Um, at that point, 
the same thing happened they called us in for a meeting and they said just to let you know because we're at this stage and everything we have to let her know who's complained mm. so that she can like give a counter argument on her relationships i guess with each of those people and then she got reinstated and it was just like oh, oh my god this is awkward yeah that's so bad i mean i mean why do the anonymous process then if you're I mean, like, in the first place, they should have got your consent. So in terms of whistleblowing policies, you are allowed to whistleblow anonymously at, at work. Whistleblowing is really complicated. It, it's, there's a really high threshold. You've got your separate sexual harassment protections, so you would go through that. But whistleblowing has to be within the public interest. Okay, so whistleblowing, I guess I used the wrong, the wrong term. So in terms of reporting any type of sexual mm. harassment or bullying or whatever it is at work, or particularly let's stick with sexual harassment, you have the right to do that anonymously. Well, no. You don't. <laughs> there is no, like, this, so the Equality Law does, uh, the Equality Act doesn't cover this bit. It all gets a bit kind of foggier when it comes to actually how is it going to work in terms of anonymity and stuff like that. So uh, so to run a fair investigation, which employers are supposed to do, they say, you know, a lot of them will say it's fair that you should have to give your name and have to be held responsible for your accusi accu um, accu accusations. accusations. Um, and, you know, how can we possibly run a fair investigation if we can't put your complaints to the accused, right? Um, but, you know, it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to do it that way. It just really depends on the severity. So it sounds like this case was quite severe because he got sacked. It sounds like a lot of people came forward. So if something's like very, very serious, then, you know, they should be able to make a judgment call saying, um, okay, well, if we have enough evidence or whatever, we have enough of it anonymised, there's not a need, there's not such a need for you to give away your anonymity if you don't want to. Like, you should, um, if it's a, like a he, she, he, say, he said, she said kind of situation, then yeah, that's, yeah. it's harder because it, if you don't have anyone to like corroborate, how are you supposed to make a decision? It is harder, but... Um, so actually, it's, it's not written within the law. This bit is more about company policy yeah, and procedure. Exactly. And they should have acted within the, the bounds of trying to protect the victims who are still mm. their employees, rather than thinking that they had an, a legal duty to give this man. So they didn't have actually a legal duty to give this man the names no i mean i don't i mean it's really hard to say because she says here because she he was sacked i mean pff, you know if they could have given him the documents let's say he redacted, wanted redacted yeah. so like they could have found a way so there's not like um i don't really i mean i mean call the advice line tell us tell us exactly what happened to one of our advisors and we can give you better advice but um, she could potentially take a claim oh, against she could her make, I mean, you could organization. Make, you could make, raise a grievance here and say yeah. you've breached my, you know, my personal data rules. Um, and there was no legal obligation for them to do that. I would like to see them explain what the reason was. Yeah, because they could have, and the fact that they've gone through the whole like process of anonymous statesmen, and um, and then you know the fact that she's saying that she's living in fear of this guy coming in like you know they've you know your employer has duties to you they have mm. a duty to protect your confidentiality they have a duty to um make sure that you you know they have a duty of trust and confidence to could, you could they even 
stop him coming into the bank i mean oh, surely yeah. oh, they yeah. should be able to do that because that's very intimidating in itself him yeah. just coming in withdrawing money like yeah there's other yeah. banks completely like um this sounds like a really awful situation for her to be in like so um yeah i would i hope she calls the line one day and and gets more and gives us more information and sort of gets a way of sort of dealing with this because it is such a fundamental breakdown to to have gone anonymously to have done that and then to have that you know so badly failed to be mm. so badly failed like that they should have at the very least got her express consent that they could give the name over but it doesn't sound like they have they've so. given over the name and they've left her completely vulnerable mm. and unprotected because this man is still coming yeah. into the workplace yeah. um oh i hope she gets justice on this one mm. so that's it do you think there's anything that we've missed that people might need to know about i'm sure there's something we've missed but um i feel like we did a really good job of covering some of the main misunderstandings i've learned a lot actually um i will i'll feel a lot wiser now i guess if there's anything that we've missed or if you've got anything to ask contact the rights of women Mm. you might even get to speak to deba herself (laughs) maybe maybe not one of your (laughs) very capable colleagues one of our amazing volunteer women employ um employment lawyers can help I think it's really important to remember that actually we are protected at work and we do have rights. And just by the very nature of the fact that women are so often discriminated against, just, you know, you are protected just by being a woman. Uh, I mean, you're very vulnerable just for being mm. very unprotected. But, you know, in this situation... The law is there to protect you. And the more you understand it, the more you can sort of protect yourself and feel confident. I mean, the main thing we do at Rights Women is just give women confidence to know their rights. And when you know, when you, because if you're constantly second-guessing yourself and you're going, is it that bad? Mm. Is this harassment? How can you defend yourself? If you talk to one of our lawyers and we can say, you are well within your rights to do X, Y, and Z, then it's just this amazing boost when you're in that situation that you can be like, right, I can handle this now. Yeah, I've got the law behind me. Mm. So before we finish, I just think it's relevant to talk about people who are maybe self-employed or, you know, if something happens. So for example, you could have a contractor coming into work who is like sexually harassing you, but they're not actually employed by your employer. Mm, Uh, Or you could be self-employed yourself and be freelancing, going off and doing stuff. Where, is there any protection in those circumstances? No, so it's a massive issue actually. Um, So the Equality Act, it covers employees or workers. um, And that could be like, it covers like part-time, things like that. But when it gets to self-employed, um, it's the question is, you know, who's the employer? You're technically your own employer, right? So um, very often they're not covered and they're not adequate protections for those people or it's very cl- unclear who is liable. So if you ever were in that situation, you could try and make an argument that it's somebody's um, responsibility but they would be able to push back and say no like it's not our responsibility that you're self-employed you're not an employee so it becomes one of the first questions when you go down the legal route is whether you're actually um, an employee or not um, so but it would extend to things like if you're a contract worker or basically if you get paid like PAYE mm-hmm. then you like it's easier for you to say but this is like you know this is all the stuff with the you know the Uber uh, the Uber drivers 
you know, the the whole dispute now is whether they are actually employees or oh, because so Uber are trying to shift responsibility. They're trying to say they're self-employed, so then right. it's, the liability doesn't go on them. But anyway, so it's a massive issue in like the whole of employment law. But it's a it's a prof, like it's a massive problem in like freelancing industries that they don't know who is responsible and if they're being harassed. It's like nobody's accountable. So it's just like this massive gap in the law. So for me, I'm I'm a self-employed woman and I would come here to do the recordings at the studio mm. with a self-employed studio engineer if I found that or you know felt that he was sexually harassing mm. me I'd basically have no other option just to than to terminate our, our no, work no, together. No, you no, you've got criminal options. Right. So, and we're only talking about employment law here. Like, you've still got things, so, like, under the Protection of Harassment Act, which is um, a criminal right. act, you, it, but that, that's... That's so, only if they've committed a crime. It's not if he's doing that little, like, oh, did I get you wet type of stuff? Which, could they, you, you couldn't I mean, report that, um, could you? I mean... So the, the thing is you have to do it has to be more than one occasion which isn't the case in employment law mm-hmm. in employment law it can be one time so it's a much higher threshold under that um, and people tend to only do it for very serious like salts and things like that T- to be honest like the sort of low level sexual harassment stuff just sort of goes under the radar mm. you know so it is, it is a horrible issue um, is a horrible issue and a gap in the law that they're trying to change, but it's you know it's it's not fast enough. And like things like um, volunteers and interns aren't covered, who are the most vulnerable to sexual oh, wow. harassment. Yeah, even in big organisations, yeah. because they're not technically employees, ah. or you'd have to go to you'd have to. <laughs> what about students in universities? So it does cover students. The Equality Act covers students in higher education and further education. So you wouldn't go to an employment lawyer. You'd have to go to like an educational um, specialist. But yeah, if you had a problem with your like tutor at um, university, it's all the stuff we've covered today. Right. Amazing. Well, thank you. That thank was you. very eye-opening. You were brilliant. Thank you. All right. See you at the next podcast. Bye. Bye.